Welcome to the 320 Podcast, where we encourage you to reach for the immeasurably more life with Christ. From discussions on scripture, to poetic messages, to dreaming big with Jesus, you will enjoy a variety of episodes brought to you by Shelley Wilson Ministries. To find out more about Shelley Wilson Ministries and the many resources available to you, please visit our website at www.shellywilsonministries.org. Hey you guys, it's Shelly. Welcome to this week's 320 podcast. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm really excited about what I feel like God has got me sharing with you guys today. It was not on my radar. I was working in the Love Letter workshop last week towards the end of the week, listening to some sermons. And um, I had had a phone call a few days prior after a dream I had about an open door coming. And um, as I so I did get an open door a few days later. And as I was pondering in the love letter room, um, really what might be the message for an upcoming event later in the year, I felt God start bringing scriptures to really passages, whole stories of two characters in the Bible. He started merging those together for me and showing me some similarities. And I started weeping because it was so beautiful. You know, and so I want to share that with y'all today. Uh, I'm going to take you to first the book of First Samuel, um, in chapter 16. Remember, Saul has been rejected as king. Um, he had rebellion, which was called as the sin of witchcraft. He did not follow God's commands, um, and you know, God God pretty much rejected him, and and tells the prophet Samuel, "I'm going, I'm going to anoint a man after my own heart." You know. Uh, and he has been commanded to command the people. And so that was chapters prior to chapter 16. So here we are in chapter 16. And I want to read it to you. And let's talk about uh, some of these meanings at the end. I've listened to both passages, both characters I've written about independently many times, actually. But I have never seen God highlight the similarity that he's going to highlight for us today. So it says in chapter 16 of verse Samuel, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to the sacrifice of the Lord. I'm sorry, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So here we have an invitation, right? God is going to tell the prophet Samuel. He's going to name the one he wants to anoint. So Jesse brings his sons at the invitation of the prophet. Verse 7. Actually, let's go verse 6. So it was when they came, the sons, that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. 
For the Lord, listen guys, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now listen, I want to point this out because this will be significant in the other passage I'm going to share with you too. When God is saying he doesn't look like man, man looks, but man looks at outward appearance, what would be outer appearance, right? It may be the clothes I have on. It may even be my gender, right? We have a huge problem with that in the church today, right? Um, where, where we reject women as, as ministers because they're women. But God says, I look at the heart, right? I look at the heart. Um, it may be maybe the outward appearance of our job, our stature. Maybe uh, if we look big and strong, you know, maybe we dismiss people because they're small or because they're not boisterous or because they're not arrogant or, you know, we're, it's, it's kind of like in America, right, where we keep looking for some kind of president that's going to save us, right? When in all truth, none of them will. It, it's only, we, we are not looking for a king of the people, like in this Bible, right? We're looking for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So we often look wrongly. We, we dismiss people because of maybe they're what we consider weaknesses, right? We may dismiss people because they don't have some kind of uh, honorable, quote, family line. We do that a lot in the church. We uh, I've, I've known here because we've ministered to some women who have been single that some churches won't really allow them to serve because they're expecting a man to be with the woman. And for some reason, the church looks at that as a weakness instead of what, you know, sometimes Paul says, listen, it's better be, to be single. We read that. We just don't know how to put that into practice. So therefore, we look at the outward appearance very often. So I'm going to keep going. Verse 8, so Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So there's two sons down. Verse 9, then Jesse made Shema, I hope I said that right, pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Okay, that's where I want to stop in this particular story. But I want to talk about for a minute. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Listen, when God has appointed you a certain assignment, title, position, there is the Spirit of the Lord that comes upon you from that day forward, right? It is your position. It is your place. Clearly, even David's father dismissed him, right? He was the youngest. He wasn't as big. He wasn't as strong. But I find it so interesting that David was out keeping the sheep, which is exactly what the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, 
would be doing with us, his sheep. All right, so I want you to turn to second, the book of 2 Samuel, and I want to talk to you about another man, another man. So if you remember, Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle. And Jonathan was David's best friend, but he was also the son of Saul. And remember, because Saul got so jealous of, of David, he tried to murder him. So Saul's son, Jonathan, is always trying to help him. The Bible says that their souls were knit together. They were the very best of friends. Even though Jonathan had to go against his father's anger, he was very loyal to David. So, so, so we enter into this place in chapter 9. It says, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Listen. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he said, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But, Mephib I'm sorry, but Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Okay. Wow. Verse 12. Let me read this last little bit of this chapter. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Wow. So if you don't know the story of Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, he, uh, his nurse had grabbed him up to flee during war, and she had dropped Mephibosheth, and that is what caused him to be lame. And I guess to have any kind of 
uh, problems like the lameness in the feet. Uh, it was not, a, it was a sign of weakness. And so they fled to Lodabar. So here we are with a really a royal heritage um, for this man because he was the son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, living in a place called Lodabar. And Lodabar actually means pastureless. Pastureless. And it says he lived in the house of Maker. Well, Maker means to be sold. And I was thinking about that going, wow. It's like because of his lameness, he was sold. You know, it's like his birthright was sold from him. He was kind of sold into a, a slavery, maybe a different kind of slavery, but a slavery of a, a less than life, a low seat. He certainly was not living the royal life that he was uh, intended to live, you know. But here we are with David out of sheer loyalty and compassion for his best friend who died. He is having to pursue, pursue, is there not anyone in Jonathan's family, the house of Saul, that I can bless? Right? I mean, how often do we do, we do that? Lord, is there anybody I can bless? Do we have uh, that heart? And, and here's the thing. David was... Uh, called by God, the man, a man after my own heart, and I and I think of that going. That is the God of heart, uh, the heart of God, right there, who is always looking for somebody to bless. He's not trying to withhold blessings from us, you know. And so here we are with a lame man living in Lodabar, a place where there's no pasture. It's barren. It's dry. And he's completely forgotten. Isn't that interesting? So when, I'm, when I was walking or, or working and walking in the love letter room, out of my mouth were these words. Is it any kind of accident that the forgotten shepherd boy would be the same boy sent as king to go get the forgotten royal man who was lame in the feet. You see what I'm saying? I have found in my walk with the Lord things like this. If you've endured a feeling of being forgotten, that's probably some kind of training God's going to use for you, and you will soon go get those who also feel forgotten. It's the same thing that I always tell you guys in our rooms, that you are delivered to be a deliverer very often. You know, we don't come through storms to just say, oh, hallelujah, we made it through that. No, that's never been the point. The point is we go give compassion where we were given compassion ourselves. And I just started crying in the love letter room because I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I never saw that before. You know, here we are. There, there is a moment. I could even throw Joseph's story in the mix of this. When the King Calls. I had written a poem about that many years ago, I think by now. When the King Calls. You may feel like you're in a place of, of forgottenness. Let's say David was, was forgotten. He wasn't even brought to the party to be anointed for king. He wasn't even considered by his own family members worthy of that appointment. 
You see what I mean? Even the prophet missed it because the prophet was still looking on the outward appearance of man. Why do you think God had to keep saying, do not look at their outward appearance? I do not look like man looks. I look at the heart. He, was, he knew David's heart. David had been out faithfully and loyally tending the sheep. He was faithfully tending the sheep. He was not looked at as some powerful person. His brothers didn't recognize, just like Jesus' brothers didn't recognize him as the Christ. David's own brothers did not recognize the anointing that was in his life. Did not even consider him worthy enough to bring to the ordination service. Imagine that. How many times does that happen today in our churches where we look at the outward appearance of man and we place somebody because of gender, because of family lineage, because, you know, they seem to have their family well intact and uh, at least by outward appearances for, uh, for heaven's sake. And we choose based on that instead of choosing from the heart, which is what God looks at when he's positioning somebody. But, you know, before, before David was born, before he was formed in the womb, God already knew he was forming a king. He already knew he was forming a king. That's why it's so important for us to ask God, who is your chosen person here? I can't just put anybody in position, right? So here's a forgotten shepherd boy who's out doing the thing, out taking care of the sheep, which is what the good shepherd does for us. And then here is Mephibosheth. Another forgotten man who's lame with no real pasture, purpose, destiny. He has been um, sold. His birthright has been sold because of his weakness, his circumstance. He's been completely forgotten by the family of Saul. Um, if there's anyone left, even by the community, right? By those who knew the family, they probably didn't even know what happened to him. They didn't, they didn't question. They didn't go look for him, right? But... But just like with Joseph, there came a day, like when Pharaoh elevates Joseph, that the king of kings moves on King David to now go get the forgotten man. So the forgotten goes and grabs the forgotten. You know what I mean? And it's interesting because they're both forgotten, overlooked by everybody else except the Lord. And maybe, you know, maybe this message is for many of us. I have certainly been there many, many times, not once, not twice, not three times. Some of you feel like you've been forgotten. But I have to be here and remind you, no, there comes a day. There comes a day where God sends someone who knows how to pursue the forgotten and he will send somebody, if not himself, to come get you. If you are pursuing Jesus in the plan that he has for your life, then he will make sure that who he formed in the womb will rise to the position that he, he wants you to rise to. Some of you, and we'll talk about this some in the equipped meeting, 
None of what you're going through is being wasted. None of what David went through was wasted. Do you think for a second that he didn't feel wounded by being not even being invited with his brothers? Do you think that he didn't, he was human like you and I, so what would we have gone through? We would have been like, well, why, why didn't they invite me in the first place? Do they not see my value? Do they not see my worth? Do they not see that I'm faithful, see that I'm loyal? Do they, do they not remember I killed the bear and the lion to take care of the sheep? Um, you know what I mean? It's the same, it was the same way for him, but God saw his heart. God knew that he was playing worship in that pasture all by himself. He knew that there was an audience one of one and some sheep during David's most intimate prayer times, and that because of his heart and because of who he had already known he formed in the womb, he was going to anoint him as king because he knew he would be a good leader. Now, did, did David have some falls? Absolutely. He fell into sin, right? But, but the thing is, he came back and repented. And God moved him forward just like he planned to. And then here's Mephibosheth. This is, this is what God wants to do for us. Sometimes we run. Granted, he, he, was, he was dropped from a nurse that was a... A, a pure accident, you know, uh, she was probably afraid in a hurry. They were trying not to get harmed, and he was he was dropped. And he ends up in a place that's more of a prison than a palace, right? It seems like he is so far away, and maybe this is you, you seem so far away from what you feel like God has called you to do or God has designed you to do. But just like with Mephibosheth, the king called, David calls for Mephibosheth, and he says, and, and listen, this makes me emotional. God immediately restores to Mephibosheth all that was taken from him, and he begins to sit not at just any table, girls and guys, but he sits and he feasts at the king's table. Some of you need to understand that's not a, just a king in the natural. The word is layered. If I have prophetic eyes, I can say this is the heart of Jesus being foreshadowed in the Old Testament for me, Shelley Wilson, and everyone listening today, that God's heart for you is that you would feast at his table. <laughs> And I realize that some of you have been sitting in prisons of the mind. You've been captive by people, prisoners by denominations and theologies that are false, right? You've been imprisoned by your families to think that you could never break outside to, to be somebody because everybody seems real happy being a nobody. Well, guess what? God says if you want to, he wants to, he has a seat for you at the royal table of the king, You are not forgotten. Not only are you not forgotten, but now you are being activated in Jesus' name. If this is you and you are the one feeling forgotten, then I'm telling you this is a, this is a critical classroom 
teaching moment for you because every emotion that you feel when you think of being forgotten by people you're going to recognize in the coming days and years in those in the same place and you're going to know how to minister to them i talk about this all the time y'all know this if you're in the groups you know, I've said it on podcast. Without my worst season ever, I wouldn't even be here today in this building doing what I do. Why? Because God took every intricate pain and taught me what does grief look like, Shelly? What are the emotions? What are the physical limitations that can come to someone in grief? Shelly, I'm going to teach you how to see behind the smile. I'm going to teach you how to look into people's eyes with my eyes and see the emptiness, see the despair, see the colorlessness, the fact that they're, they're losing themselves in abuse. They're losing themselves uh, to people, places, and things. They're codependent. All of these things I learned in one season, one horrific season. Yet look at what Jesus does when we give him even the emotion of God. I feel forgotten. I don't just feel forgotten by people. I feel forgotten by you. There was a season I had to own up to that feeling. I had to say the truth is God because he sees it. You withholding what you really feel and the real truth from God is so pointless because he already knows it's there. What he loves is that you can just bring all the mess to him and say, you know what, God, here's the real truth. I feel like you've you've abandoned me. I feel like you've forsaken me, and I'm angry with you. And now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere with Jesus because we are becoming more intimate with him and he's listening and he's patiently. And then he starts unwinding and unbinding your life in ways you never thought or imagined. He begins to show himself like the heart of David, right? No, I've watched you. We've talked about this about Ruth in the field and how Boaz looked across the field and he saw Ruth. And and that's what Jesus says today to many of you. Listen. Listen, Jennifer, I see you in the field. I see that I'm unbinding you. I see that there are things that you're in my classroom right now and you're learning and you're growing. And you're becoming freer and freer because the king has called for you and I will make sure you become everything I formed you to be so just partner with me learn with me I see you in the field working and those of you in the prison like Mephibosheth there's coming a day where you will break out of the prison walls and there'll be a freedom that comes to your life that you never thought or imagined And let me tell you what, some of you guys, you feel like the man with the lame feet. That maybe you've had a binding, it reminds me of uh, shackles on the feet. Remember that song, Shackles, right? Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. Some of us have lost the joy of our salvation. Why? Because of pain, because of loss, because of grief, because of betrayal. But God's going to remove those shackles. And you remember... That the power of Jesus can cause the lame to walk again. And the dead to be raised again. 
and that nothing, dear friend, is impossible for the Lord. So I guess this message is for those who feel forgotten. (laughs) The devil is such a liar. You are so far from forgotten. And this week I can say he surely has remembered you. Maybe you've been crying at night. You've been in the prayer closet saying, God, I feel so lost. I feel so forgotten. Will I ever get where I need to be? And God sent in this message to say, yes, you 100% are going to get. You're not forgotten. I see you in the field tending the sheep. I see you being faithful in prayer. I see you fighting the warfare and the devil. I see some of you who are lame sitting in a seat that is so beneath you because others have made you feel small. But I'm calling you to come sit in your rightful, inherited, reserved seat at my table. And stop saying yes to all of these other low-level seats. And say yes to the high calling of Christ. Where you are a royal priest, a co-heir with Jesus himself, and you sit in the heavenly places with him. Your gender doesn't matter. Your intellect doesn't matter. Your education doesn't matter, and some of you need to hear me on that. Your training is by the Holy Spirit. He is the best teacher there is. And He, the God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Himself live in you. Everything you have, you need. Everything you need, you have, I should say. So, Lord, I pray today for those who have been uttering the words, I feel forgotten. And, God, I ask you to sound the alarm, to go get the forgotten, who are living less than lives, who are sitting in seats that are below the royal priesthood seat, those who have given over their authority to others because they just have not felt like they had any at all because they have not understood that you live in them. I ask you, Lord, that they become picky about alliances. They become picky about seats. They become picky about um, what people ask them to do and that their no is used more times than their yes because they're waiting on the, the God-given seat, position, place, title, job, meeting, adventure, all of these things that describe this life with you, Lord. I pray today, God, that in dreams and visions, you would speak to the forgotten, that you would remind them you're there, you see them in the field, that you guide and counsel them with your eye upon them, that they're never left to their own devices, to their own decisions. All they got to do is ask and they shall receive. Remind them, Lord, that when they need wisdom, all they need to do is ask and you liberally give it to them. Father, let the word stir in them so that it becomes more than the text on the page, as we always say here, but that there is a life-breathing word 
living and active in them. Let them walk into a room understanding that they've brought Jesus there. Let them know, God, that they are merely the hands and feet of you, the Christ, who is the head. Let every voice fall at the name of Jesus that has exalted itself above you in their lives. May every idol erected now come down in Jesus' name. I cancel every word curse on every life that has made them think they can never be better than they are right now, that they will never get any further in the kingdom than they are right now. I cancel every word curse sent by their family members in Jesus' name, whether they knew they cursed them or they didn't know they cursed them, matters not. Every word curse spoken by family members that belittled, that devalued, that caused them to think they were unworthy, that they will never amount to anything. In Jesus' name, I break and cancel every word curse off your life. I come up against all witchcraft sent to lame and maim every voice, every sheep that I'm talking to today and in the coming days. In Jesus' name, everything falls Every witchcraft way falls in Jesus' name. To any demon that has chased down the destiny of the listener today, I command you to now be evicted from every family line. You will go no further in Jesus' name. I declare peace over every life. I declare clarity. You have the right to a sound mind, and you are not given a spirit of fear. I command every spirit of fear off every life in Jesus' name. You will leave now. I command every spirit that has come to put them in bondage, whether it's sexual sin, whether it's addiction of any form, any spirit of suicide to torment, in Jesus' name, every spirit leaves every life listening in Jesus' name. I am grateful, God, that today I know that just because I'm in one room and they're in another, that through this microphone, you have amplified my voice in Jesus' name, and I can step into the spirit where there is no boundary, and every devil in hell can hear what I'm saying right now. Every one of you better leave them alone in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you are the life giver and the life breather. And every good gift comes from you. Every listener that listens to me, I pray the baptism of the Holy Ghost over every single one of you with evidence of tongues. That you will begin to operate in every spiritual gift that's been assigned to you in Jesus' name. I command every false theology off of your life, every doctrine of devils that has come to lie to you, that that gift is not for you. That goes in Jesus' name. Nope. Nope. This is the gift of God for you. I thank you, Lord, that the spiritual gifts are what were founded on in, at, the, at Pentecost in the upper room, that it is what your church operates in and where those things do not flow 
there is only a measure of the Holy Ghost. So right now, fill everybody in Jesus' name who's willing to be filled. Every religious spirit, go in Jesus' name who's keeping you from being filled with the Spirit. Remove the veil in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm asking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name for every listener listening. Every single listener listening in Jesus' name. I don't know why this is so important today, guys, but I'm just going to go with it. Every demon that came through denominations that has kept you bound in Jesus' name from understanding the spiritual laws of truth. Right now in Jesus' name, every demon that came through denominations leaves you right now. Every trace effect from the lies that have been taught to you in Jesus' name are erased by heaven's eraser. God, may your power now be wielded in everyone who listens today. That no longer will they see themselves as forgotten, but they will see themselves as faithful. They will no longer see themselves as abandoned. That you have always been right there, never forsaking them. I thank you, God, that everyone listening is blessed and not cursed in Jesus' name. And I cover you, I apply the blood of Jesus to every one of your bodies from head to toe, asking for every spirit of infirmity to now leave. And Lord, I'm asking for a healing of the body right now from head to toe. Internal organs, blood pressures in Jesus' name, I apply the blood. To every cancer right now, I apply the blood in the name of Jesus. To diabetes, I apply the blood right now in Jesus' name. To any heart condition right now, I apply the blood of Jesus. To congestive heart failure, I now apply the very blood of Jesus that causes the heart to now function properly at full capacity. I speak to every lupus, every immune, any demonic strongholds that are attempting to give infirmities like lupus, fibromyalgia, Crohn's disease, in Jesus' name, I command you to leave them. Lord, I ask for the healing blood. I apply the blood of Jesus. Let the blood cover every single one, Lord. God, I bless you for what you do. You are always such a surprise to me. I thank you, God, that you put boldness in our mouths, and it is a season where we are no longer ashamed of who we are. And who you are in us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. See you guys next week. We hope today's episode has blessed you and encouraged you to pursue Christ passionately. To join us again for more encouragement, equipping, and empowering, subscribe to the 320 Podcast.
We would also like to invite you to enjoy our round-the-clock radio station, Royalty for Real Radio for Women, at royaltyforreal.com. That's royalty, the number four, real.com. <laughs> 